Hello, good people, and welcome to the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. My name is Jordan McClain, and this week we'll be talking about WrestleMania 12. This week's show was requested by one of my amazing supporters, Nick, so big shout out to him. As always, if you have a show that you want me to review and if I have access to it, just let me know on my social media at Mr. Jordan McClain on Instagram and Twitter or on the official podcast Facebook page, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Um, I'm absolutely open to talking about it. Just like I'm open to talking about this, man, I'm really excited to talk about Mania 12 because this is one of the only WrestleManias in my mind, I think, that I have not seen now. You know, with between the network and now Peacock, I think this is probably one of the few that I haven't seen. And I love watching shows that are pre-Attitude Era because... I started watching wrestling, for those who don't know, in like late 1998. I'll say probably like August of 98. So I started watching during like peak attitude era. And, but I love watching performers who may have been done wrestling before I started watching for one reason or another. I love watching wrestling where there are performers who were not yet at their peak attitude era. Um, performances. So WrestleMania 12, right up my alley. Once again, big shout out to Nick for suggesting this. Anyway, I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Let's just jump straight into it. The first match on the show is Vader, Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog taking on Yokozuna, Ahmed Johnson, and Jake the Snake Roberts. The stipulation for this match is that if Yokozuna's team wins, then Yokozuna gets five minutes with his former manager, Jim Cornette. I really enjoyed this match because it had a little bit of everything. You know, you had the technicality from Owen and the Bulldog. You had the intensity of Ahmed Johnson. And, of course, you had the monster factor of WWF at the time going to uh, Yokozuna and Vader. It was also super interesting because I don't think I've ever seen up to that point of me watching this, I don't think I've ever seen anything from WWE during Yokozuna's face run. I'd always heard about it, but pretty much every time that I seen anything out of Yokozuna, he was a heel. And I will say though, whether he's heel or face, I am always in absolute awe of Yokozuna's ability when he's in the ring. For a man that I believe they build him close to 600 pounds. I believe he was close to 600 pounds at this point. Um, he had fan, he had some phenomenal agility for a man his size. It was it was crazy how he moved in the ring like butter, even at six almost 600 pounds. It was also really fun for me to see these kind of shows and see just how over some of these people were. In particular, this match. Jake the Snake and the DDT. It's crazy to see just how over Jake the Snake and that DDT was. You know, growing up and watching wrestling when I did, the DDT was and is now considered to be more of a basic move that's in almost everybody's arsenal. So it's amazing that during this match, even the like the tease of a DDT, DDT got the crowd up 
Like, they were so ready for Jake the Snake to hit that DDT. Ultimately, though, the team of Vader, Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog got the win in this match. Next up, we've got the Hollywood Backlot Brawl, the beginning of the Hollywood Backlot Brawl, uh, between Rowdy, Roddy Piper, and Goldust. I can't be sure, but I think this might have been the first attempt at sort of a cinematic match in the WWE, I guess, um, or I guess maybe in in professional wrestling altogether because when I looked it up, I believe, I believe I read that this portion of this match, they taped ahead of time. And then, of course, we'll get to that chase. But, of course, they ended up back in the arena. So, I think that this was like their first attempt at a cinematic match. It, it, it does feel more akin to a Falls Count Anywhere match, but it, it feels like a, a definite precursor to, say, like the Boneyard match that we saw between Undertaker and AJ Styles at WrestleMania, what, last year, I believe? Um, but <laughs> at, they were in the back lot. There was a lot going on. I remember reading some trivia about this uh, particular match in this particular segment of the match. So to be watching it, I, I can actually point those moments out. Like there was a piece of trivia that said uh, Goldust had said at one point in time that a dumpster was rolling towards an executive's car and one of the cameramen like had to stop it. And you can see that moment. If you pay close enough attention, when they hit that dumpster and they start rolling out like they're about to go out now, um, you can see the dumpster rolling towards the car. You can see the camera kind of start speeding up. And then when they cut to another angle, you can see that cameraman kind of holding that dumpster and pulling it back. Um, I also read that Goldust running over Piper was not planned, which is crazy. But nevertheless, we got the start of the backlot brawl. Um, at this point, no closure. They they do what they do in the backlot, and then they take off. <sighs> like I said, we'll get there. Um, but moving forward, we've got the million-dollar champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin, with his manager, Ted DiBiase, taking on Savio Vega. This match began like a fight. Savio Vega really took it to Stone Cold early in this match. And this is one of the moments that I was talking about. Like, we know that Stone Cold really came to prominence in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Right around the time that I started watching wrestling, Stone Cold was becoming, like, the hottest thing on the planet. So it's fun to kind of go back and see, oh, Stone Cold was the million-dollar champion and Ted DiBiase was his manager. I don't think I'd ever heard of that, actually, before this. I, I may have, and I might just not be realizing that I heard that before. But I know for sure that I had never actually seen footage of it. There's a couple of things happening in this show that I had never known and had never seen any footage of. And no one ever, I had never really heard anyone talk about it before. Um, and this was one of those things. Stone Cold being the million dollar champion. And um and Ted DiBiase 
being his manager. Now, <laughs> during this match, y'all know I told you we was going to talk more about it. During this match, Roddy Piper calls Vince McMahon. Roddy, Roddy Piper calls into the broadcast to let Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler know that he is pursuing gold dust. And I wasn't sure when they first started this whole thing. <laughs> Roddy Piper is pursuing Goldust in a white Bronco. Ciao. Anyway, back to the in-ring action. Stone Cold is now in control, taking it to Savio Vega. Again, something fun to see, like I said. Um, it, it was also fun to see because... I know Stone Cold to be like a brawler, just in your face, punches, fighting, taking it straight to you. He was really technical in this match. And I think that a lot of us as fans, a lot of people who have been watching over the years, who have seen how professional wrestling has changed, especially a lot of us who are in the independent wrestling world, we forget that, you know, a, a lot of these guys just know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, like, we get so used to the flips and the dives and the table spots and the death match and the glitz and glamour and all that kind of stuff. We get so lost in that that most of these guys know what they're doing. Most of these guys can really out-wrestle a lot of people. We forget that. I honestly forgot that about Stone Cold. That he 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 was a phenomenal wrestler. His his performance skills ended up surpassing his in ring skills. You know what I mean? So he didn't have to necessarily be technical because he was a fantastic performer. He was a fantastic character. So he didn't have to be technical to get your attention. Because his performance did that. So it was really good to um, to see him be technical in this match. Now, Stone Cold wins this match. <laughs> but we get another glimpse of Piper chasing Goldust. Okay. And they used footage of the O.J. Simpson chase in this show and again you know because i told y'all i did i did some research i just wanted to see because um when i looked up the card like i when you look at the poster for the show razor ramon is on there but when you look at the card razor ramon's not on there so i really wanted to know what the hell happened with razor ramon only to find out that what was actually going on was that WrestleMania 12, or I guess maybe the idea had been thrown around for WrestleMania 12, that Rowdy Roddy Piper wanted to fight O.J. Simpson at Mania 12. And I guess, I guess Vince thought better of it. I'm, I'm so thankful he did. <laughs> I would not have wanted to see Rowdy Roddy Piper fight O.J. Simpson. I know this was the time when O.J., you know, you just look up O.J. Simpson if you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. But 
apparently that was the thing. Like, Rowdy Roddy Piper wanted a match against OJ Simpson at WrestleMania 12, and they had decided not to go through with that idea. So, instead, like, this, I guess this was a way to circumvent and try to, I guess this was WWE's way of trying to get the buzz of OJ Simpson at the time. I'm not sure. But either way, this this moment during this match, during the Stone Cold Savio Vega match, was when I realized that they were using OJ Simpson footage. And I was in here dying laughing. Okay. So next up, we've got Hunter Hearst Helmsley with Sable taking on the ultimate warrior. This was another one of those moments. I did not know that Sable debuted in the WWE, WWF at the time, as the valet of Triple H. I didn't know that. I had no idea. And it's funny because Sable ended up being one of my favorite people to watch. Y'all know I love women's wrestling. So women, anything in wrestling, I'm probably going to be on board with it. So Sable, but... Not even Sable was just like one of my favorites. Sable was one of the hottest commodities in the late 90s for WWE. So, but I but I don't think I had ever really like known how she debuted. I knew that she came into the business with her husband, who we're going to talk about here in just a second. But I did not know that she debuted as Triple H's valet. At WrestleMania 12. It's just, it, it was a really um, interesting thing to see because this also was not the Triple H that we came to know. You know what I mean? This was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He was still in that blue blood gimmick. So this was pretty early on in both of their careers, WrestleMania 12. So it's just, you know, it was just uh, really interesting to see. And it's not a pairing that I would have thought to put together, but it actually ended up making perfect sense because Sable was freaking beautiful at the time. So, um, hell, every time I've seen Sable, she's been beautiful. But, you know, that that's just a fun thing to see. Of course, this is also Ultimate Warrior's return to the WWE in, I believe, like four years. This was his big return. So, um, and I, I, and I have a question. Okay. <laughs> there was a rumor, a big conspiracy theory, that Ultimate Warrior, the original Ultimate Warrior, had died. And he was replaced with a clone or, or a lookalike or something along those lines. Is this the warrior that everybody was talking about? Y'all let me know on social media. Because I don't actually know the timeline when they... when for that conspiracy theory. Um, but I'm wondering if this is the warrior that everyone was talking about because he hadn't been seen in WWE in four years. So I'm wondering if this is that, that where they said that the original ultimate warrior had passed away and WWE had just hired a lookalike. Hey, listen, they tried it with diesel and razor Ramon when they, when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall went to WCW. So I'm not saying that that's what was happening here. I'm just saying WWE ain't above trying to use a doppelganger. Okay. that That's all I'm trying to say. Um, at any rate, 
this match didn't have a lot of meat to it. Uh, it was a typical Ultimate Warrior match. Ultimate Warrior wins in basically a squash against Triple H. Another fun fact that I read, or, or I don't know if it's a fact, honestly. I didn't call anybody to check any of this. But apparently this match was not supposed to be a squash match for Ultimate Warrior. So anyway, um, we get a little fun segment after this match with uh, Mark Merrow's introduction because he gets introduced against Triple H, obviously, Sable, Mark Merrow's wife. You see why it's so funny. Um, next up, we got Big Daddy Cool Diesel taking on The Undertaker. Now, this match was really fun to see because this is literally two of the best big men to ever be in the business wrestling at WrestleMania. I love the way that this match was structured with Diesel coming in as uh, the heel with that shit-eating grin. He has such a shit-eating grin, does Kevin Nash. Um, Undertaker was really on his A-game in this match, and I just loved how engaged they managed to keep the crowd throughout the match. Because this match, I don't know, I felt like this match went on for a while. I believe when I looked it up... the match had gone on for like 17 minutes. and But it felt even longer than that. I don't know. But they they managed to keep the crowd engaged. And that's something that not a lot of performers on any level are able to do. Especially in these modern times. But back then, um, you know, for these two to be able to keep the crowd as engaged as they did... It was, it was really a wonderful thing to see. And I think that this match would be a great match for new big guys to study when it comes to your character work. And, you know, for big guys to get some tips on how to work as a big guy in the ring. Because these two, they it, it wasn't clunky by any means. It wasn't clunky or, you know, goof looking. Like, they were really moving in this ring. Undertaker gets the win after a big-time tombstone pile driver, and we move forward. Finally, finally, we get Rowdy Roddy Piper and Goldust back to the arena, back to the ring, where it turns into now an actual in-ring wrestling match. And it's really interesting to see just how all-in WWE was for Goldust when he first started there. Because Goldust had some incredibly high-profile feuds and matches in the early part of his career, including this one. Um, But I think he was most known for a, a while for his feud with Razor Ramon. So... They really, they really were putting a lot of weight into Goldust when he first started. In this match, Rowdy Rowdy Piper wins. Um, and I believe this might have been Piper's last match in WWE before he left. And I I guess went to WCW. I don't really know. Um, but I do think I remember reading that this was his last match in the WWE. Um, so now we move on to the main event. We move on to the Iron Man match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. So now I finally know. WrestleMania 12 was the WrestleMania where Shawn Michaels ziplined down from the rafters to the ring. I have seen that clip 
hundreds of times and never had any idea that it came from WrestleMania 12. So now we know we got Shawn Michaels to blame for these over-the-top WrestleMania entrances. <laughs> but uh, this match in particular, this is what I believe the kids and the experts like to say, a clinic. For one hour straight, these performers kept that crowd engaged with the most basic of wrestling holds. The technicality in this match was so on point with both men showing why they were considered to be the best performers in the world at the time and at different times. Um, so this match went down the 60 minutes and ended up being a draw. And then WWF president Gorilla Monsoon, who y'all know I love, I, I have a love for Gorilla Monsoon, um, restarted the match under sudden death rules, meaning that the first pinfall in sudden death wins the whole shebang. Okay. After an incredible hour, and I'm going to say 10 minutes or so, we end up with Shawn Michaels as your new WWF champion. And as Vince so eloquently put it, the boyhood dream came true to close out WrestleMania 12. Overall, I think this was a fantastic WrestleMania from top to bottom. Uh, you had a lot of a, a lot of shenanigans, but I think that it was very well put together. I mean, it was, it was WrestleMania 12. They had literally 11 years before this one to kind of get in the groove and perfect this thing. But the funny part is this is also... I think this WrestleMania might have been like the precursor to everything happening. I, I would have to go back and look, but I, I, I'm i interested to see. So we see the card for WrestleMania 12. We've gone through the card for WrestleMania 12. I'm going to have to go back and look at now the card for WrestleMania 13 and see just how different a year WWE had. And what was, what was, if anything, completely different? Who was on that card versus who was on this card? Also, I wanted to point out this. So, obviously, I watched WrestleMania 12 on Peacock. And for some reason, the Peacock version of this show is missing a match. Because when I went and looked it up, to try and figure out what, what the fuck happened to Razor Ramon. Um, there was another match. And that match was the Body Donnas versus the Godwins. It wasn't on the this version of WrestleMania 12 on Peacock. I don't know if it was on the version on uh, the network. But yeah, there was a whole match missing. Which kind of sucks. Because, I mean, I don't know. My, I'm, I'm not sure why the match was missing. But... Yeah, a whole match was missing. Overall, though, the show was still great. Um, phenomenal showing by so many people. And for the most part, I was engaged the entire show. I really, I, I watched and enjoyed the entire show. That's it for WrestleMania 12. Like I said, you guys, if you have something that you want me to review, and if I have access to it, I will be more than happy to review it. Just hit me up on my social media at Mr. Jordan McLean on the Instagram and the Twitters. 
or you can hit up the official Facebook page for the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Thank you so much again for the suggestion, big homie Nick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'm out. Peace. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you like what you are hearing right now, be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and any number of other podcast apps. Wherever you're listening to this right now, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Also, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Jordan McClain to keep the conversation going. Let's get back to the show.